0: We're going to do chapter 18 today, chapter 19 next week, Lord willing, and then after that, much like what I did last summer, we're going to do the Ten Commandments, and we're going to do a sermon per commandment. So we're going to slow down in chapter 20, and then after that, we'll speed things up again, okay? Okay, all right. I just want to keep us informed. That's, that's where we're headed, so... Uh, The title of my sermon this morning, Rescue to Report, and hey, you know what, I wasn't even planning on saying this because a young girl came up to me this morning outside the office doors, and she said, Pastor Chris, this is who I am, I'm not going to embarrass her. She introduced herself, and she said, can I tell you something? And Man, when a teenage girl, I never know what they're going to say. When a kid comes to me and says, Pastor Chris, can I tell you something? I'm just like, man, what's going to come from their mouths? Like, you stink, or I don't know, like... I don't know. Anyways, I just didn't know what she was going to say, but she said, I got to share the gospel with a girl this week, a 12 year old girl. I walked her through the gospel. I asked her if she trusted in Jesus, and then I got to pray with her. And I was like, man, that just made my Sunday. So praise God. We have kids, young women, sorry, young women in our church that are sharing the gospel. Praise God for that. Isn't that sweet? I was so encouraged. I, I know you're here, sweetie. I didn't want to embarrass you, but praise God for that. That was cool. Thank you for sharing that. I know she's in here. But um, the big idea, the Lord rules over his rescued people. He rescues us to rule over us, and he does that by his word for our good and his glory. Amen? Amen? Listen, God doesn't just save you so you can go live the way you want to live. He saves you to rule over you, and he's a good king. He is the king. And how does he rule over us, church? By his? By his word. I've shared this story before, but it just makes the point so well. I'm going to share it again. This was, I know we have our youth going to Schlitterbahn. So this happened at Schlitterbahn, oh man, 20 years ago. Maybe not that long. 17 years ago. Yeah, about 17 years ago. My uh, my mom and I took my two nephews, my older brother. I have two older brothers. Scott's the younger of the two. He has two boys, Hunter and Hudson. We took them to Schlitterbahn, took him to Galveston, and at the park, the Lazy River, which, I mean, there's not much going on there, man. There's a couple of rapids, right, where it speeds up, but it's, that's where adults go just to rest, right? <laughs> we need a break from the chaos, and so we We get in the inner tube, and we just kind of float along. So I'm in there with my two nephews, and I got them right by me, and they're young. I mean, they're probably like, I don't know, seven and nine. And so we're floating, and we come up to one of those, like, rapids, right? And Hudson, the younger of the two brothers, hits the rapid and flies out. He's not a great swimmer at this point. He can swim, but not great. He flies out of his tube in this look of sheer terror on his face. He goes into the deep, dark waters, right, and I reach in. It's like a movie, and we grab hands, and I pull him out, and that look of terror turns to relief, and I put him in my tube, and he says, Uncle Quiz, because he has a little speech impediment. Not anymore. It's a cute little voice when he's a kid. Uncle Quiz, you saved me. I'm like, saved you, man? That took like five seconds. Okay, sure, I saved you. This is what was sweet. The whole day at the park, he's telling everyone, this is my Uncle Quiz, He saved my life today. He just wanted everybody to know. Now, it gets better. The next day, we go to Galveston. We go to the beach. We're out there. Again, we're like waist deep. Well, I guess I'm waist deep, so they're like neck deep. But I, I got him, right? I got him. a good uncle, I think. I got him. We're in the water. We're playing. Wave hits uh, Hudson. Man, he wipes out. Goes underwater. What do I do? Reach into those dark waters. Pull him out, right? Uncle Chris, you saved me. I guess, I guess I did, okay. And now we go to a restaurant, and he's telling the waitress, hey, this is my Uncle Chris. He saved me 19 times. I'm like, where did he get this number? (laughs) And mom, you remember this, it was like 19, I'm like 19, I'm here twice. Here's what's sweet about that. He's reporting the rescue. He wanted everyone to know that I guess according to his little mind, he was dead meat, he was dying, and his Uncle Chris saved him. And I was honored by that. You know, it was, oh yeah, yeah, I saved him. No, I didn't really say it was, you know. It was nothing. As Christians, we have been rescued from sin, from the eternal wrath of God that we justly deserve. And we're called and empowered by the Spirit to report that good news. Amen? We are saved. We are rescued to report. And that sweet little girl, I mean, that just fits so well with the sermon, the text. She's been reporting this week. Amen. I was, man, praise God. Well, I'm going to move now. So we have really two halves, okay? So chapter 18 is divided into two halves. Exodus 18, 1 to 12, we have rescue, reported, responded to, and reviewed. We're going to start there. So let's move. Are you ready? Let's go. A. So we got A, B, and C, rescue, reported, responded to, B, and C, is going to be reviewed. Rescue reported, verse 1, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard, it's a really important word, he heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And it's that same word, that image of bringing from death to life. From darkness to light, it's rescue language. He brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, how did, how did Jethro know this, friends? How did he know? He wasn't there. How did he know? Because it had, been, it had been reported. This is similar to what we see in Joshua 2. I've written a big paper on this. Joshua 2, 9 to 10, with Rahab, the prostitute, the Gentile, and the spies. Now, listen. Joshua 2, 8 to 10. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you, for we have heard. They've what? They've heard. Now, in order for them to hear, what had to happen? There had to be a a report, for we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, before you when you came out of Egypt. In both cases, our text today in Joshua 2, the word had gotten out. And in both cases, we see the nations, the nations responding positively to God's rescue. That's really important. In our passage today, in Exodus 18, God's Rescue had been reported as evidenced by Jethro's response. And this was God's plan all along. Go back to Exodus 7.5. This is a big theme in Exodus. The text says in Exodus 7 The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. God does that. He rescues his people so that others might know that he is the He's the Lord. Exodus 14.4, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. God rescues for his fame. Amen? He rescues for his fame, namely, so that the word might get out in this for his glory. Now, this is cool. What is the report that Jethro had heard? Verse 1, Jethro, the priest of Midian, we know who this is. This is Moses' father-in-law. He heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had, what's the word, brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, the text says the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. The verb to bring out is from the Hebrew, yatzah. Yatzah. I did, like, I don't know. When I was learning Hebrew, I would do things like that, mnemonic devices, just to help me remember. That may not help you, so I'm sorry that I did that. But yatzah, it means to lead out. Here, denoting God's saving deeds. Who is the subject? We're hearing the text again. Amen. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm listening. I want to make sure I'm on track. We're good. Okay, so... The Lord has done it. The Lord is the one who brings his people out. Now, here's what's important. What name is found on the lips of Jethro, a Gentile? What does the text say? How the Lord, the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. The covenant name of God is here found on the lips of a Gentile. It happens to us all, brother. Joe, don't sweat it, man. Not only that, not only that, but Moses, he expands the report for Jethro. Now, pay attention. So we're going to jump now to verses 8 and 9. Look with me, 8 and 9. I think, I think Joe was just getting ahead. I was here in 8 and 9. So, 8 and 9. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had, it's a really important word, delivered them. And how does Jethro respond? And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had, same verb, this is not Saul, it's a different verb, but it's the same as delivered. Delivered, he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So if you want a good summary of the Exodus, I'm going to give you four Ps. You can write this down, this is free. Moses declared the plagues the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, and the provision of food and water. So the four Ps to help you remember the events of the Exodus. What's the first one? The plagues, the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, and the provision of manna and water from the rock. So Jethro here is the recipient of good news. Now the key word in these verses is delivered. It's from the Hebrew, not sal, not sal. It means to rescue Four times this verb appears, each time with the Lord as the subject. It is the Lord who rescues. It is the Lord who saves. Everybody say, amen. Do we save ourselves? Do we add to it? It's the Lord's doing from start to finish. So here's what we're seeing. God's rescue, his salvation is meant to be reported. And this prepares us for Exodus 19.6 next week. God's commission of his rescued people. God rescues his people to report. And in Exodus 19.6, we see the first great commission. Actually, it's the second, by the way. The first great commission is in the garden. The second great commission is Exodus 19.6. What does God say to Israel? You are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. you are to be a light to the world, Israel. You're to shine my glory before the world. You're to embody my law, my goodness, before the watching world. Because God rescues his people to, what's the R word? To report. Is this true for the church today? Why have we been rescued? To report. Hey, why do you believe the gospel, by the way? Why are you a Christian? Well, we could answer that in a number of ways. God elected you. God regenerated you. God saved you. Amen. He's given you the spirit as a down payment of what is to come. But let's be simple here. You're a Christian because someone told you the good news. In order to believe the good news, you have to hear the, it has to be reported. Can anyone say, no, man, I'm just a Christian. Nobody told me the good, I never heard the good news. Then what are you believing in? (laughs) All of us are Christians. If you're a believer, it's because someone told you the good news. A mom, or a dad, or a pastor, or a youth minister, or a friend. Amen? Romans 10, 14-15. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Do you remember... The person who had those beautiful feet that brought the good news to you. Where's Pop? Pop, you got beautiful feet? You brought the good news to me, amen? I was 12. You got them, I mean, your feet are beautiful, Pop. You brought the good news to me, amen? I love 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Again, church, what are we commissioned to do? What are we called and empowered to do? Report the gospel both near and far. How's that going? Who are you telling? Because the good news of God's rescue is meant to be reported. I love 1 Corinthians nine sixteen. Paul says, For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. What's Paul saying? i got to preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Two practice steps here and then we'll move to our second point. Number one. Praise God that someone reported the gospel to you. Amen? Praise God for those beautiful feet. And number two, report the gospel to others. Hannah, I was so encouraged. I'm not going to embarrass you, but two weeks ago we were talking about 14 p You came up to me, you said at camp you were talking about that, and you remembered all four. I was, so, I was, I was blessed by that, girl. It was sweet. So what is the 14 p challenge? This goes with reporting. Reporting the good news. I've given this challenge multiple times. The one four P challenge one four. I don't know. P, oh, that's terrible. Find one person in your relational world that doesn't know Christ. This could be a friend, a neighbor, a co worker, a classmate, a teammate. And commit to four things start praying for them. That's the first P. Start praying for them. Pray that God would save them, pray that God would give you opportunity to take the good news to them. Number two, start planning how you're going to engage them. There was a a burger joint that we, (laughs) I mean, come on, this was like once, at least once every two weeks, Haley. Zane's Place, Nutty's Junkyard Grill in Arlington, Washington. Best hamburger in the world. So good. I mean, Ray's West, or I guess it's Ray's on Timberland. I love Ray's, but man, Nutty is so good. Anyways, the owner of that was a young kid. I mean, he was like in his late 20s, entrepreneur, and I got to know Zane, and I knew he wasn't a believer, and I began to plan, how can I engage this guy with the gospel? So I invited him to breakfast, and that resulted in about a three-month Bible study. I got to share the gospel with him at breakfast, and then I said, hey, man, let's keep meeting because I love that. So the first P is pray for that person. The second P is plan how you're going to engage them. Families, if there's a family across the street that doesn't know Jesus, invite them over for dinner, right? That's a good plan. The third P is practice. Make sure you're actually practicing or living out the gospel in front of them, that they see, oh, that's what a Christian life looks like. And number four, and this is the hardest one, but there's no evangelism without this. Number four, you've got to proclaim the gospel, Amen. I'm just hoping that I'm going to live a certain way, and they're going to catch it. What? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You don't catch it. you got to hear it. Did you hear Romans 10? you got to hear it. Amen? So what are the four Ps? Pray, plan, practice, and proclaim. All right. So not only, and this is so good, not only must God's rescue be reported, but it must be responded to. I think Mark Dever said this, in his book on personal evangelism. But you haven't fully given the gospel until you call for a response, right? Here's the good news. What do I do with it? You've got to respond. You've got to trust in Jesus and turn from sin. We call that repentance and faith, amen? So, B, rescue responded to. Now, Jethro's response to God's rescue is paradigmatic. It is the paradigm. It is the example of the Christian's response to the gospel. Listen, Jethro, are you ready? Jethro rejoices. Jethro worships. Jethro trusts in the Lord. Jethro gives his allegiance to the Lord. All right, so Exodus 18, 8 to 12. First, rescue reported. Second, rescue responded to. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all that the Lord had done to Israel and that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now, listen to this. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has, here's that word again, not has delivered rescued the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Oh, man, verse 11. This is it. You ready? Now I know. (laughs) We're seeing Jethro being converted. Do you realize that? That's what we're seeing here. He's trusting in the Lord. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. What's up with this meal? We're going to get there. The meal, I'm going to argue, is the climax of this passage. The meal. So this is what we're seeing in Jethro is the appropriate response to God's rescue. This is what the gospel calls for as well. I want us to carefully examine Jethro's response. I want us to look at what stands out and part of this is going to continue over into our third point. Verse 9, and we're going to take these one at a time, but pay attention. Jethro rejoices in the Lord. Verse 10, Jethro blesses the Lord. Verse 11, Jethro acknowledges the supremacy of the Lord. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Verse 12, Jethro sacrifices to the Lord. And then finally in verse 12, Jethro enjoys fellowship with the Lord and the Lord's people. All right, so let's quickly work through these. First, and this is in your notes. If you're taking notes, you don't have to fill in the blanks. Write this down. First, God's rescue results in joy. God's rescue results in what? Joy. Are you joyful, Christian? Brothers, are you joy-filled that you know that you've been rescued from eternal death? Do you have joy knowing that right now, through Jesus and your faith in him, by the grace of God, you are now counted righteous? (laughs) Oh! Okay, listen, you have been moved. We, if we've trusted in Jesus, no longer under the wrath of God that we justly deserve now, adopted into the Lord's family, children of the King. Do you have joy? We have every reason to be joyful. Amen? Jethro delights in the Lord's salvation. Philip Ryken notes, the Hebrew word translated rejoiced, chadah, is unusual. This rare word, conveys an overwhelming sense of joy. The kind of happiness, he writes, that penetrates to a person's very soul. Jethro did more than believe the good news about God. He celebrated it and rejoiced in it. Second, God's rescue results in praise. So first there's joy, next there's praise. That is an appropriate response to the gospel, amen? We praise Him. Got all. Shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Everything got untucked. It's okay. God rescues us for worship. The the verb here to bless Barak. It carries with it the image of bowing down. God rescues us for His glory. He reveals His glory so that we might glorify Him. And as mentioned before, this must be our primary motivation for evangelizing the lost. We want to see God glorified. What happens when a sinner, by God's grace, goes from shaking their fists at God to now praising God? Who gets the glory? The Lord does, and so that should motivate our evangelism. Third, God's rescue results in the acknowledgement that he is supremely worthy. If you're a Christian, you have to believe that. That is the only thing that will keep you from idols. If you don't believe this, you will constantly have idols on your heart, on the throne of your heart. You have to believe that He is supremely worthy. Did you hear Jethro's declaration in verse 11? Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. In a very real sense, Jethro... Was proclaiming his allegiance to the Lord. <clears throat> what the Lord had accomplished in time and space through the Exodus was so that people might know that He alone is Lord. All other gods are false, they're pseudo gods, right? He alone is Lord. He has shown that to be true through His mighty works on behalf of His people, and by God's grace, Jethro got it. Amen? He's like, oh, snap. Now I know that you are Lord and all other gods are false. Again, he's a a Midianite. He's a a Gentile. Jethro's declaration represented a breaking ties with all other gods. Jethro had repented and was now trusting in the Lord, the God of rescue. Fourth. Everybody say fourth. Still with me? Good. Okay, we're almost done with this part. God's rescue results in worship. Jethro's allegiance to the Lord went beyond mere lip service. He was all in. How do we know Jethro was all in? He was committed as seen in his sacrificing to God. This was a formal acknowledgement of the Lord. This was worship. He brings his burnt offering. He brings sacrifices to the Lord. We may liken this to baptism today an outward sign of an inward commitment and trust. Tony Merida writes, Jethro demonstrated that he had converted to faith in Yahweh. He worshipped Yahweh according to the Israelite custom. And again, this is seen in him bringing a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And finally, and this is the climax, this is really cool. You ready? God's rescue results and fellowship. What was the first one? Joy. Number two, praise. Number three, I forgot. What was it? Supremely worthy. Number four, worship. And number five, fellowship. All right, man, we like to eat. We're from East Texas. We like to eat. Amen? Come on now, you're lying. Oh, yeah, food, whatever. Come on. You've been thinking about where you're going for lunch since you sat down. You had breakfast an hour ago. What's wrong with you? There is much going on in this meal. You know, meals today are often insignificant. There's a great book by Tim Chester on the Meals with Jesus. It's so good. That's a freebie. Write that down, Meals with Jesus. It's called A Meal with Jesus, but it's so good. Tim Chester. But there's much going on in this meal. The text says, and Aaron, who was Aaron? Moses' brother, right? And Moses, I'm sorry, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father in law before God. And again, I'm going to argue that this is the high point of our text. I would even say this is one of the high points in Exodus. Jethro is graciously brought into God's rescued community, a Gentile no less, right? He's a Gentile. He's not an Israelite. He's not descended from Abraham. He can't claim, he's a Midianite. These would have become God's people's great enemies. And yet... What happens? He's brought into the family of God. Ryken notes, what makes this meal so remarkable is that Jethro was a Midianite and thus one of, ancient's, one of Israel's ancient enemies. Now, I, listen to this. It was the Midianites who brought Joseph into slavery. That's Genesis 37, 28. And who later raided Israel in the days of Gideon, Judges 6 and 7. In fact, God told the Israelites to harass the Midianites and strike them down. Numbers 25, 17. But Jethro had come to saving faith in the God of Israel. Now he was welcomed into the fellowship of God's people. They had peace with one another in the presence of God. This is what the gospel creates. Vertical and horizontal peace. Amen? Come on. This is a glorious preview of what is to come. What is the climax of redemptive history? Hey, friends, where are we headed? Where are we going? What are we looking forward to? A meal, a banquet with the Messiah, with King Jesus and his people. And how long is that meal going to last? Forever. Forever. Jethro's joy is found in his fellowship with the Lord. Everybody say check. And with the Lord's people, check. This is what the gospel, God's glorious rescue through his son Jesus provides. Vertical and horizontal fellowship. And in that, we have, what's that J word? Joy. Now, if you don't believe me, 1 John chapter one, three and four. John says, that which we've seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy, your joy, may be complete. Again, true joy is found in both the vertical and the horizontal. And this comes through faith in Jesus. When you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now enjoy fellowship with God and fellowship with His body. Amen? And in that is what? Joy. Joy here's the practice step. Respond. Respond to the gospel today. Repent and believe. Repent means to turn away from, okay? It means to get off the throne. It means to acknowledge that you're not a good king, that you ruling your life equals eternal death. Only by stepping off the throne Turning from the sin of disbelief and trusting in Jesus, the good king, the great king, the true king, can we have life in life eternal? Amen? Give your allegiance to Christ and enjoy fellowship with God and his people. A fellowship that will last how long? I'm excited for that meal, that banquet. Amen? How long is it going to last? Forever. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Call for a response. Tell the good news. Report it, but call for a response. Implore the lost. Be reconciled to God. How? Trust in Jesus. Let's pause here for a moment to behold the glory of God in the word of God. Hopefully we've been doing that since we started this time but how does god reveal his glory here in our passage through his character and what do we learn about god's character in exodus 18 god is faithful god has rescued his people as promised amen he's done that up to this point he rescued israel and through his rescued people he's reaching the nations the Gentiles, these are non-Israelites, are benefiting from God's saving work. The Gentiles, represented by Jethro, this was Moses' Midianite father-in-law, are heard praising God. Not only that, but Jethro gives his allegiance to Yahweh as seen in his what? What's he doing? He's bringing burnt offering and he's sacrificing to the Lord. Jethro trusts in the Lord. He rejoices in the Lord. He gives his allegiance to To the Lord, and he enjoys fellowship with the Lord and his people. Promise, fulfillment, and response. That is what we've seen so far in Exodus. Promise, fulfillment, and response. And this is our story as well. Amen? God's glory is revealed through his faithfulness, and the proper response to that glory is to glorify him. Are you a Christian? Why? Because God is faithful. He promised a savior. The Savior has come. And if you've trusted in him, what's your response? To glorify him with your life. Promise, fulfillment, and response. And this is what's cool. Those who respond to God's rescue in Christ are now called and empowered to report it to others. Dude, when I got saved, when I got saved, I I just, you know, I didn't know much. I knew the gospel. But I was told, hey, now that you're a Christian, you've got to tell others. So what did I do? I told everyone. I started a Bible study at Hudson in seventh grade during lunch hour. I invited everybody. I mean, I was new. It was my first year at Hudson. I got saved the summer of my sixth grade year. I came to Hudson in seventh grade. I had some Christian friends from church, and I started a Bible study. I started telling everybody, why? why? Because that's what Christians do. Why? Were you guys surprised when you heard the story of that little girl? Hopefully you weren't surprised. You're like, well, that's what Christians do, right? I mean, that, that's normal. You shared the gospel? What? That's crazy. No, you shared the gospel. Praise God. Let's keep going, right? Those who have been rescued are called to report. All right, last thing here, rescue reviewed. So, rescue reported. Rescue responded to. And number three, rescue reviewed. Verses 10 to 12. Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses, his father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. Okay, so let's summarize. The good news goes out. By grace, people respond. And then we gather. We gather with God's rescued people to review the good news. And we do that again and again and again. Why do we gather, church? Why do we gather every Lord's Day? To review And celebrate the gospel. What are we doing when we take the Lord's Supper together? We are reviewing and celebrating the gospel. Amen? And this for our good and for his glory. Why do we review though? Why do that? Why do we preach the gospel every week? Because we forget. We're a forgetful people. It is paramount that we regularly gather to review who the Lord is and what he's done and this for our good and for his for His glory. This is cool. Are you ready for this? I'm pumped about this next. So, where's Sydney? Okay, I'm not going to embarrass you, but you read the Great Commission. You read in your testimony Matthew 28, 18 and 20. I'm going to do that now. And here's what I want us to see. The same threefold pattern that we saw in the first half of Exodus 18, we see in the Great Commission report, response, and review. Now, check this out. This is really sweet. Matthew 28 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And on the basis of that, that declaration, that wonderful truth, All authority is his in heaven and on earth. He is the supreme king. Amen? And on the basis of that truth, he says, and it's not just a statement, it's an imperative, it's a command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, what is the main verb in Matthew 28? 18 to 20. It's not go. It's make disciples. So let me just geek out for a second. You have the main verb in the Greek, in the original Greek, make disciples, followed by three participles. A participle is a verbal adjective. It's a descriptor. Jesus is saying, make disciples, that's the main verb, and then three things as to what this entails. It entails, hey, I'm going to make disciples. What do I do? I'm glad you asked. It entails going, baptizing, and teaching. If we're going to make disciples, we have to go, baptize, and teach. Now, check this out. Going, the language of going evokes the image of a messenger sent by the king going out, proclaiming, heralding good news. That's the report. If we make disciples, we're called to report. But then baptism functions as the response because baptism assumes what? What did we assume about Sydney? That she's believed, she's trusted in Jesus. Baptism assumes faith. Baptism is how we go public with our faith in Jesus. So that is the what? That's the response. And then what's the third R? Review. Finally, we have teaching. And this is ongoing, friends. Why do we gather every Lord's Day? To come under the teaching of God's Word, to review who the Lord is and what He's done. Report, response, and review. Practice steps here. Number two, I'm sorry, number one, faithfully gather with the church. Faithfully gather with the church. And number two, commit to doing life with fellow believers. Gather with the church. Gather with the church and commit to doing life with fellow believers. Now, give me six minutes to wrap up. Don't look at the clock. Never look at the clock. Stop thinking about lunch. What's next for God's rescued people? You've got to hear this. The rescued are to be ruled. And who rules over his rescued people? The Lord. So this is Exodus 18. 13 to 27 the rescued are to be ruled. One could even say that we've been rescued to be ruled, namely to come under the wise and awesome rule of Jesus Christ. And how does Christ rule over us? By his what? By his word. Let me set the scene by reading the second half up to verse 23. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses, his father-in-law, saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Underline that. What is Moses making known? His wise sayings No. The statutes and the laws of who? Of God. That's really important. Moses, this is so funny. (laughs) Dude, Jethro, he's getting it. He's a bull brother, right? Listen to what Moses' father-in-law said to him. What you're doing is not good. (laughs) You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So uh, let me just fast forward. So Jethro says, hey, here's, here's what you're going to do. Find some guys, some qualified guys, men of integrity, men of good character, honest men, and delegate the responsibility. Now, hey, like the super important cases, Moses, you take those, but everything else, delegate it out. And Moses is like, yeah, that's a good word. All right, let's do it. That was my summary of the last part. Okay. The key phrase is found in verse 16. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' task was one of judging. Now, what does it mean to judge? Here's the verb. Shafat. Again, shafat, like you're being judged. Who's fat? Are you judging me? Shafat. That's just how my mind works. That's how I remember that word in, you know, 14 years ago. Shafat. The the verb means to decide, to settle a dispute, to help or get justice, to make decisions, okay? Primarily. So if you're thinking, okay, what does it mean that Moses is called to judge the people? Primarily, this role involved, you ready? Modeling and instructing. Modeling, not like, I'm not even going to do it. Not that. Modeling is what? Exemplifying. Like what Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Watch my life. That's modeling and instructing, and that according to the, verse 16, the statutes and the law of God. Okay, so God's rescued people were to come under the statutes and the law of God, his word, because God rules his rescued people by his Have you been rescued? What do you come under? His word. And yet, here it is. God in his grace provides his people with qualified leaders to teach his word. These leaders are needed. Jethro saw the problem. Moses was trying to do everything on his own. He needed what? He needed help. He needed, not just help, okay? He needed qualified help. I say qualified. I don't just want help. I want qualified help. And he needed to delegate the work because Moses was limited. So, if you want a summary of this second half delegation, limitations, qualifications. Delegation, limitations, qualifications. Moses needed to delegate some of the work due to his limitations. And yet, not just anyone could function in this role. They needed to be what? Qualified. Now, what might this look like today? I wonder. Now, obviously, there's no one-to-one correspondence between Israel and the church. And yet, there are many principles here that we can extrapolate and apply to the church today. Here at Celtes, we practice a plurality of elders. Why? Because the Bible tells us to. It's biblical. It's right. What does that mean? Plural means more than one. We don't just have one head honcho pastor. We have multiple pastors. Now again, I'm the lead teaching pastor, but I'm not the top dog. I'm not, it's not, hey, me, and there's this hierarchy. We pastor together. We shepherd together. Amen? And I'm going to explain why this is so important. Why this is needed. So again, if you want some scriptural evidence for a plurality of elders, who's got their pen? i get ready. Okay. James 5.14, 1 Peter 5.1-5, Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Acts 20.28. 20, now, why a plurality? Because it's wise. One person cannot and should not do all the shepherding. Why do so many pastors burn out? Because they try to do it on their own. What was Jethro trying to prevent? Burnout. The shepherding work needs to be delegated out to other what kind of men? Qualified men. Let's talk about the importance of qualifications. What qualifications did Jethro suggest to Moses? This is verse 21. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God. That's everything. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands of hundreds of of fifties, and of tens. Now, much like what we see in the New Testament with qualifications of elders, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, the qualifications concern primarily what? Integrity. Character. Those who lead God's people must be men of character, men of honor, holy and set apart. Now, let's talk about the purpose of a plurality. Verse 22. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter, right, they shall bring to you, Moses. But any small matter, they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. I am so thankful for And again, it's me and you today, bro. Two of our pastors are on vacation. But I am so thankful for pastors Aaron, Dave, and Paul. And I think, brother, we share this, I think, pretty consistently this gratitude that we have. Even in our meeting this week, Paul was saying, I'm so grateful for you, man. And we reciprocated that to Paul. Man, we love each other. And we're doing this together. These brothers bear with me and I with them the joyous and heavy burden of shepherding God's flock here at Kelty's with the word of God. And that for his glory. Amen? So what's the application here? And then I'm going to pray. Three things I wanted to highlight. Three practice steps. Everyone, pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray that they would remain qualified and word-centered. We see the importance of qualifications, and we see the importance of leading by what? Verse 16. The statutes of God and the law of God. So pray that they, we, would shepherd well that we'd continue to be qualified men and word-centered. Will you pray that for us? Who prays for the pastors here regularly? Man, praise God. Thank you. Who will commit to that? We pray for you guys. Come on. (laughs) We do. Number two, thank the Lord for your pastors. Thank the Lord for your pastors. Read Ephesians 4. Read Ephesians 4 today, if you will. And number three, encourage your pastors. Encourage them. It's heavy work, right? It's a joyous work, but encourage them. Let them know you're praying for them. Bryce Busler almost every week, how can I pray for you guys? Man, I so appreciate that, Bryce. I think he's still is he in New York? New York Okay. All of this, I'm sorry I did that. All of this, everything we've seen thus far in Exodus points to the greater exodus to come through Jesus. The greater Rescue to come is to be, I'm talking about the gospel now, right? Everything we see here points to the gospel. The greater rescue to come, and guess what? It has come is to be what? Reported, responded to, and reviewed. And those who have been rescued are to be ruled over by King Jesus and his word. The Lord gives leaders, pastors, to lead in the work of giving God's ruling word to his rescued people. And these men, right? These men need to acknowledge their limitations. Thus, the need for a plurality. And they need to meet certain qualifications as they seek to model and instruct with the Word of God. Have you been rescued? Have you been rescued? Have you been rescued? Have you, been rescued? Have you trusted in Jesus? Okay. If not, If not, repent and believe. Turn from your sin, the sin of disbelief, and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior and King. Jesus lived the life we could not live. He paid our debt, amen? What debt do we owe God? He made us. We owe him everything. But because God is perfectly holy, we owe him a perfect life. Can any of us say, oh yeah, I've done that, got that covered? No, how arrogant and foolish. I could look at your life In one day, you could look at mine in one minute and know the answer to that question. No, none of us can pay that debt. But one has. Jesus, he lived the perfect life for us, and then he took the the punishment. So because we've not lived a perfect life, because we've failed God, because we've gone our own way, what do we deserve? Punishment. And not only did Jesus live the perfect life for us, he died the death on the cross in our place, taking the wrath we deserve. And then he rose again three days later, proving all his claims to be true, that his saving work worked. And if we trust in Jesus, we can be forgiven and brought into God's family. So, if you've not trusted in Jesus, do that today, and then gather with his church and come under his word and follow Christ with us together. Amen? And church, what are we called to do now? We've been rescued, so let's go Let's go report and call for a response and keep gathering to review who the Lord is and what he's done, and that for our good and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel, without which we would have no hope. We thank you for Sidney Lopez sitting in her baptism. What a wonderful blessing to see the gospel in her baptism, to hear her testimony. God, your grace on display. We thank you that someone told her the good news. We thank you for the young woman who came to me this morning and said, hey, I got to share the gospel this week. Father, I pray that would be the norm for all of us, that all of us would have beautiful feet, that we would report the good news of rescue through Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, that we'd call for a response, that we would implore, beg the lost to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. And then, Father, every week, may we gather with great expectation to come under your word, to hear afresh the gospel, to be challenged by your word, to be shaped into the men and women of God that you've called us to be. God, you create through your word. You bring about new creation through your word. You continue to shape us and make us more like your son, Father, through your word. And so we thank you for the gift of your word. May we leave now today with the greater love for you, Jesus, and your word. And may we go reporting this good news we heard today for your glory in the good of others. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. amen.